Yeah, I just want to start with a little bit of, uh, hopefully this will work today. Um, a little bit of something hopefully that will help some people, because some people um, here have been, been in sermons for many, many years. Some of you are pretty new to this kind of thing, and maybe you haven't been in as much, but I just had a few things that I just wanted to um, kind of highlight and hopefully encourage you with, if this will work. No? Okay. We don't do that, guy. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes. I'll try it now. Okay. Was that me or was that you? Oh, so disappointed. Okay, so these are just three tips for listening to sermons. So maybe you've not, uh, as I say, been used to listening to sermons before. Your experience of listening to sermons, you know, you, you kind of maybe haven't got the best positive experience of listening to sermons. And so I just wanted to uh, give you three tips. There's probably loads of tips you could have. There you go, that was me. There you go, we're on. Um, the first, they're, they're, they all start with open. The first is open book. And I'm doing this at the beginning. This is kind of like what I could do at the end, but it defeats the object because then you haven't listened. Um, so the first is open book. I don't know, some people amongst you write notes. I can already see you've got your notebooks out, which is great. Writing notes is a really helpful way of helping you engage in a sermon. Um, because when, you're, you're, um, when you come with your book, what I, I, inter I interpret that as is it, in, I, it means that you've come with expectancy. Because something is going to be said that you need to make a note of. Now, if you're like, or, or you've just got a really bad memory and you can't remember anything beyond the next 10 minutes. Um, but actually, when you're writing stuff down, it helps, does help you to stay engaged. So because of that, I've bought 10 notebooks, and I've got plenty of pens. So would anyone like a notebook to help them today? Yes. Okay. There you go. Can someone help Esther? You can help me. You can, give out, you can follow me with pens, because you don't need just a notebook. You need a pen as well. I've only got 10, so first 10. Oh, you can have that for free. an orange one to match your jumper. Go <laughs> Anyone else? June? There you go, that's matching your jumper. We're matching, we're colour coordinating. Oh, you've passed it on. <laughs> I haven't got a yellow one, sorry. Anyone else need one? Got two more? They're not for doodling, by the way, unless they're kind of prophetic doodles that you can then share. Anyone else need a pen? You want a book, green or blue? Okay, has everyone got a pen? Who needs a pen? Thank you, Esther. Then one more. Got one left. Okay. Yeah, so my first tip is open the book. Because, yeah, having that book just helps you come with an expectancy. You can follow through what's being said. Hopefully, if something good is said as well, it's a reminder later on. Although I find I've just got, like, loads of uh, books with notes in that I will never read probably again. Um, if you do have an iPad or something like that, you can write on that. I'm not restricted to books. Okay, so first one's open book. Second one is open heart. 
I want you to think about, are you, have you come with an open heart this morning? Are you expecting to receive from God? Are you willing to receive from God? Are you hoping that God is going to speak to you this morning? Often our expectation facilitates what we receive. If you come unexpectant, you often will leave with nothing. If you come expectant, you often receive something. I don't know, has anyone here, has God ever spoken to you through something really bizarre? Maybe like um, a song on the radio. Does anyone know one? Okay, uh, me as well, Paula. Yeah. Uh, um, God's spoken to me through a billboard once. Not like a Christian one. Has anyone, had any, has anyone else, just if you've had something weird like that. Okay, there's a few of you. Okay, well, God can speak to us through anything. So sometimes as well we can come, when I talk about having an open heart, um, you might come and you might look at who's speaking. So today it's me. And it was good that when I said to Steve and Lorna that I was speaking, they went, yeah. But maybe some other people went, oh. Um, you know, because sometimes it's not what we wanted, it's not what we expected. For some reason we might look at the person. I don't know all of you, maybe you looked at me and went, he doesn't look like a very good speaker, or he doesn't look like a godly man. Um, you know, so there can be different reasons why we like someone, or maybe why we don't. Maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe I poured you a bad cup of tea earlier. Who knows what, what something might have stirred in you, but the trouble is that can close our heart. And the reality is, when someone stands up to speak, they're coming as a vessel of God. I might stand up today and tell you quite a lot of rubbish. But my hope is there'll be some stuff that I say that is of God. And again, so even if you come away, if you give yourself to listen, then you might receive just one thing from God that might transform your life. Because it might not be one thing from me. It might even be something I will say that I never meant to say. And God might just get in there with it. But God will say, so have an open heart. And the last one is an open mind. So that comes with a willingness to consider. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to engage? Are you willing to ask? And this is why the notebook's good, because, you know, some things I might say today, you might think, I have no idea what he's on about. Write it down. Ask the question. Ask afterwards. Whether you ask me or you ask somebody else, ask the question. And also a mind to respond. Have you come with a willingness to engage and to be obedient to the thing that God might be speaking today. So having an open book, an open heart, an open mind. Just three tips, hopefully, that will encourage you uh, and help with listening to sermons. Okay, that said, today, that wasn't the sermon. Um, that was just a freebie at the beginning, bonus. So this week, uh, as I prepared, God gave me something to share about, and so I pretty much finished this sermon, and then right at the last minute, um, well, I'd also pray that God would speak a picture to, or something to the church, and God had spoken that to me, I was going to share that, but then God kind of put it in my heart, he said, well, why aren't you talking about the pictures that I gave you? Because the sermon was pretty good, you know, I thought it was all good, um, but God's, and I and the danger is sometimes you can try and cram too much in. And so I thought, okay, maybe I should just talk about the pictures that God has given me. And 
Um, so I'm going to try something a bit different today. So I hope you can bear with me. It might go catastrophically wrong. Um, and you might think, well, that was, yeah, we won't do that again. Um, but hopefully my heart is that God really wants to speak and that just through being available to him today, he's going to speak. And so in that sense, it's not as such a, a sermon that I want to share with you this morning. I would say it's more a prophetic word. Um, and so as I was preparing, I, I prayed and asked God for, for something. And, and this was kind of the, the, the title, Growing Strong. Because I believe that God is saying that he wants to strengthen the church. And when I say that, what I mean is he wants to strengthen us for growth. And that's both individually and corporately. Because as you grow, you're strengthened, yeah? As you grow bigger, you, you know, the whole point of eating, drinking, exercise is that you grow as a child. And so you live as a child, you know, and so you're constantly progressing through that and growing. There's um, a real, one of my favourite verses is in the book of Colossians. And this is kind of, when I think about kind of what God is, is wanting from, uh, whether it's church leaders or whoever. He says, in, one Col- in Colossians 1, 28, he says, Him, who is Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may, we may present everyone mature in Christ. My summary of that is, we do all this so that one day people will stand before Christ mature. That's the hope. That's why we do this every week. That's why we bring instruction. That's why we teach. That's why we encourage. And hopefully you're part of that as well, not just a recipient of it, but you're part of that as well, encouraging others to maturity. So if you've got kids, you know what this is hopefully like. Because you had a baby, you know, that's where they start. You had a baby, and then they were either breast or bottle fed, and then they went on to kind of the mushy stuff maybe, or like at least you had to spoon feed them. And then they, then they had the stage, I don't know if you had this, where they held the spoon and tried to feed themselves, and the food just went everywhere. And then they go on and they start eating more solids, foods, and as a parent you cut it up for them. And they grow and they grow till the point where they can feed themselves. Maybe even one day they feed you and prepare a meal for you. Um, And so in a sense, this is a sign of maturity. Because if your 30-year-old child comes around your house and you have to cut up their food for them, that is not a good sign. You know, you want them to be able to feed themselves. You want them to mature. Our aim, you know, is that one day they'll be able to take care of themselves. And part of the aim of a parent is to bring them to this place of maturity. And through that is that strengthening. Through that is that growth. Because you know what? If you gave your one-year-old a knife and fork and told them to cut up their food, they can't hold it properly. They haven't got the strength in their hands. So they grow in strength. And so I just want you to think about that in terms of a spiritual application as well. That the idea is that we, go, we grow, we grow, we grow. We move out of childhood, in a sense. And the Bible talks about that. It talks about milk and meat. You know, there has to, there's a point where you have milk. 
but the aim is not to stay on milk, but to move into meat. And so there's this concept of really just growing in the Lord and growing in strength. And there were three pictures that God gave me. Um, And each of the pictures I'm going to share with you, I am no specialist in any of these areas. And so um, with any analogy and things like that, there's always a point where they don't fit. And there's probably someone who might have a specialism in one of these areas and say, well, actually, Daniel, the truth of this is. But the, what God, I want to more share what God has kind of spoken to my heart in the, through these. Okay. And what I want you to consider as well is that maybe today God is speaking to you from one of these areas. He might speak to you for all of them, but maybe just one. Okay. This was the first picture I had. I had this picture of a ballet dancer tying their shoes. And I was, again, so I was thinking about kind of what this represented in terms of strengthening. And again, I'm no expert, but as they wrap the the ribbons around their ankle, part of that is about strengthening. Part of it is about keeping the shoe on where it needs to be. And as I thought about this and thought, God, what are you um, speaking through this picture? What God put on my heart was he wants to strengthen people to dance. He wants to strengthen people to dance. And when I say dance, I know some of you have suddenly gone, I don't like dancing. Um, I really don't. I'm not saying come up here with the ribbons and the flags. That's not what I'm saying. When I think about dancing, I I think about freedom. And so what God is saying, I want to strengthen you for freedom. Because through some things that have happened in our lives, we've become weak. And our weakness has enslaved us. Now I was thinking about this, the whole dancing thing. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it talks about seasons, you know, if you've read that verse in Ecclesiastes 3, where it says Unto, there's a time and a season for everything. And at one point he says, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time to dance. There's a time to be unfettered, to be released in God. God has done something in your heart, in your life, when you're not worried about what everyone thinks, you're not too weak to do the thing that God's done, but you're free to dance. When we think about dancing, you might think about David. David is probably the most famous dancer in the Bible. And it said, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. Now, I don't know if you can picture that, what that might look like, someone dancing with all their might. To me, it's kind of probably a bit crazy, you know. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. It was interesting, we were just talking about, uh, Alan was talking about the flow of worship. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you feel like, I want to give God more. And you're almost confined by your body. And I wonder if that's almost what David felt in that moment. I want to come, I want to give God more. And I just, you know, I can only jump so high. I can only move so much, you know, there's only so many things you can do in one moment with your arms and legs and, you know, you're restricted. But there's that desire to give it everything. Interestingly, in the story of David, 
his wife, uh, I think it was Michael, Michelle, Micah, something like that. Um, well, she saw him and she despised him. She thought, you look like an idiot. Now, I don't know if anyone has said that to you when you're dancing, and I've often felt that when I'm dancing. You know, you, know, you look like an idiot. But he didn't care. And sometimes we're so consumed and we're so weak because we're fearful of what others might think. We're fearful of what others might say. Interestingly, in that account, uh, his wife then just basically exited the picture that she was done with. That was the end of her, basically. David went on. We want to be in a place where we are free to be who God has called us to be. We want to be in a place where we're free to express ourselves, to sing. And maybe you're one of those, you think, I don't really want to sing. I, I, I just want to kind of keep it down. But God is saying, oh, and that's fine. If, if My question to you is, are you free to do it? Are you free to do the thing that God's called you to do? And, and I think God wants to minister to some people today who... It's interesting that it was, it's binding. And, and normally when we think of binding, we think of captiv- captivating, uh, uh, captivity and tying people up and restricting them. But this is a way that God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to wrap my, myself around you. I'm going to wrap my, my life around you so that you are free to do the thing that I've called you to do. And part of that is breaking fear in people. Because when you're wrapped around by God, you don't have to fear anyone. When he, you know, when you're in him, we, we sang about kind of God as the tower, this refuge that we can run into and we're safe. And again, it's that concept of if I'm wrapped around by God, if God is all around me, I don't need to fear anyone. But I'm free to be who I am in Christ. I'm free to do the thing that God has called me to do. So that was the first picture, that we're strengthened for freedom. The second picture was this one. I couldn't really find a very good picture. Um, But it's this idea of a splint. And again, I don't know if people even do this anymore. But, you know, if they've broken, if someone's broken their leg, and it was the idea of a broken leg that you'll then put a splint on to strengthen it, to straighten it, so that it can then be healed. And I felt God saying that there are weak parts. And you might have a weakness due to a, a wound or something like that. And that God wants to strengthen the weak part and bring healing. Again, I, I kind of went and had a look at some scriptures. It was interesting. I, there was one in the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel says, Son of man, I have broken the the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and behold, it has not been bound up to heal it by binding it with a bandage so that it may become strong to wield the sword. So this is the opposite of what we're saying. In God, God wanted to stop somebody, so he broke their arm. I don't know if that was literally or metaphorically, um, but he broke their arm, and then it wasn't bound up, it wasn't bandaged, because if it was, then he would heal and he'd be able to wield the sword. So God prevented that. But yet in Psalm 
147, verse 3, he says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that is the work of God. Where God wants to do something with someone, he will come and he will bind it. He will bind the wound. He, he will put that splint in to strengthen it so that it might bring healing. In Hebrews 12, verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. And again, I think that just kind of encapsulated what God is wanting to do. Because some have been carrying wounds for many years. And if you've ever had a wound that hasn't healed properly, you know that it still remains a point of weakness within your body. You know, you're still struggling to move forward and you can't really, you're not free in that way to do that. And so I just had the idea, this picture of a splint, and that God is strengthening for healing. Because, again, if we think about God, the aim that I talked about at the beginning, the idea of maturity, about coming to the fullness of God, he doesn't want people to live in a place of weakness where they never mature into the place he wants them to be. And often these wounds that we carry can be the thing that keep us in a place of immaturity. And so God is wanting to minister to those wounds, I believe, today. And the third one, the picture I had, um, and the word I've got was scaffolding. But scaffolding, uh, if, when we think of scaffolding normally, we think about, you know, the guy comes around your house and puts the stuff around the house and does the scaffolding. But that's not the type of scaffolding that I was thinking about. And this represents it a bit, be- a bit better. Um, some of you might know I've, I, I now work in education, and so I'm becoming very aware of educational things. And teachers talk about scaffolding. And what they mean is we're going to create a structure upon which we can build. And so that's why this, um, this picture illustrates it more. It's kind of the bones of a building. Or, if you want to put it literally, the bones of your person. Because if you didn't have bones in your body, you'd be a puddle on the floor. You know? So and that idea that God wants to build some scaffolding, some strength within us, so that we may grow. Because if you've ever seen a building, and I've, I've actually been witnessing a building growing up like this at a school, and they do this, so it's all like that. And then, but without that, without the strong foundation, without the strong pillars, without the scaffolding or the, the structure of that building, whatever you then put upon it will be pointless because it will fall apart. And so God is putting this in so that he is strengthening us for building. He wants to strengthen us for building. And there are some key things that I just wanted to touch on that I think God has been stirring in my heart and hopefully again will be a blessing to the church that we need to think about how God is strengthening us for building. I think... I want to ask you a question. What is your goal? Do you have a goal? 
you know, in your life, what's your purpose? Because I think we all probably have different goals. Or we all have things we want to achieve, things that we uh, are committed to. And you will not grow in the Lord if he is not your goal. There was a question, um, there's a, where is it, a famous uh, hymn. And it says, My goal is God himself, not joy, nor peace, nor even blessing, but himself, my God. And that's the sort of thing, when you say, who has a goal, and the person puts up their hand and says that, then everything you say after that seems a bit lame, and you're like, they've, they've said the right answer that everyone should say. But it's true. My goal is God himself, not joy, not peace, nor even blessing, but himself, my God. And I want to challenge you this morning that to build, your, to build in strength, God has to be the focus in your goal. He said not joy, nor peace, nor blessing, because if we make those things, which are nice things, there's nothing wrong with wanting joy, peace, blessing, but if we make things, those things our goal, that is an unstable building. That if you aim for that, because there will be times when your joy is lacking, what then? There are times when your peace may be dissipating. There's times when you think, I'm not receiving blessing, what then? If those things are your goal, they become your God, and they become the ruling things in your life. The thing that God has been putting upon my heart is that we as a church need to seek him. And I think this has come through. It shouldn't be news to you, no surprise. But I think we really need to press into that. We need to seek him. I was listening to a sermon and he said our prayers often reveal our spiritual goal. Our prayers often reveal our spiritual goal. Let that sink in a moment. Maybe if you think about your prayer life, and maybe you think, what prayer life? I think that reveals your spiritual goal. Maybe your first prayer is for the salvation of somebody. What is that revealing a spiritual goal? It says in Psalms 27.4, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I wonder if, if we made that our prayer every day. Lord, what, may I just dwell in your presence. Lord, my heart is to see your face, to know you, Above everything else, you can pray about the other things, but if we're thinking, what's our number one? What's our go-to? What's our, the cry of our heart? I want to encourage you that I believe that is where God is wanting to bring us to. That our cry is for him. Our cry is for his presence. So when you come this morning, your cry is for him. Your cry is for his presence. Wherever you are. The psalm was a psalm of David, and David was described as a man after God's own heart. And David got so much wrong. 
And Guy kind of shared, touched on that as well, you know, this idea of, you know, we're going to do things wrong. And David got loads wrong. But he was a man. God said, this is a man after my own heart because that was his cry. God, I just want to be in your presence. I just want you. I just want to know you. Maybe you don't feel like you've got that motivation. Because the trouble is we can hear something like that and you say, well, it sounds the right thing, Daniel. That's the right answer, but is that really what I want? And so you have to have the right motivation because if you're just doing this because you know it's the right thing, if you're just doing it because you want to please someone, you know, for all the wrong reasons, out of fear or anything like that, it's not going to sustain you. If you realise that your motivations are incomplete, if you realise your desires are not where they should be, I want to encourage you this morning to bring that to God. To say, God, you know, I'm hearing this, I know it's the right thing, but there's something within me that is a problem and is, I just don't, I'm not interested. And maybe you've been in that position where you're like, I know this is all good, I'm just not interested. Which kind of draws me onto the third thing about when you're building a structure, it's building it with the right substance. Because depending on what you build with will determine where it goes. And I've been really encouraged recently. Um, like, I realise in my own life that I, I wasn't building with the right things. And although I've read my Bible many times, I wasn't really, what I would say, reading my Bible. And so I just started just reading again, a, a little bit as a habit every day, reading a, a, a small section, small section, small section to build a habit. And then at the beginning of the year, there's a, a few of us who started um, reading the Bible in a year. And, and it's not about achieving something. Because often when we do these Bible in a year plans, we can get there and we read... Oh, I've got to read three verses today. <laughs> Done, tick. And we, we didn't actually get anything. When you read the Bible, and this is something that I think is so important for, for creating strength upon which God will do things. Go deep rather than go long. Okay, that's my encouragement. Go deep rather than go long. I would rather you read one verse a day which you go deep into than read five chapters, ten chapters that you skim read. I would rather that. Now, arguably, you can go deep in three chapters, four, ten chapters. It would take you a lot more time. But I'd rather we go deep than go long. I've seen it, again, I think Mar Marcus was going to be here. I was going to ask him a few questions about that, but he got a flat tyre, so he's not made it. But again, the reason I was going to ask Marcus is because, you know, he's probably someone who's he's new to faith. He's probably not read the Bible. Maybe he has, and I'm wrong. But he's new to faith. And to do this, keeping up with something, you need to make changes in your life. If we just keep doing the same things we've been doing, and, and there's a key word that I think that God is speaking when we think about... Um, growing in strength, and that is to remove distraction. Because you realise, just like with food, just like with eating, if you eat the wrong thing, 
you get the wrong result, which can lead to malnourishment and it can lead to obesity. You know, either end of the scale. The aim is to be healthy, but we can lead, by eating the wrong things, we can end up at maybe one of those ends of the scale. And we can be there spiritually. We could be malnourished spiritually. We can even be obese spiritually. Because I've seen that as well, where people just, all I'm doing is bringing it in. All I'm doing is feeding, 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 and not giving out. I'm not serving, I'm not giving. And it just becomes an absorption rather than a flow.